The following recording is from Parramatta Christian Church. We pray that this message inspires you in your walk with Christ. Well, good morning, church. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm really glad you mentioned the Parramatta was playing the storm. Is anyone else an Eels supporter here? Yeah, I'd hope so here in Parramatta. Anyway, we'll forget about what happened a few weeks ago against the storm down in Melbourne. I went along and I've been getting to know one of the dads at Kinder. He's a Nigerian guy. Um, never been to a game of rugby league before. I said, you've got to come along and support the Eels. They're fantastic. And if you don't know what happened, they got absolutely thumped. So it wasn't, uh, wasn't the best experience for him for his first rugby league game, but hopefully there'll be more. Um, thank you so much for having me with you this morning. It's a real joy to be here with you and, uh, and uh, worship with you as well. That was such a joy for me and so good for me. Uh, so wonderful to join with you in that. And um, let me begin by telling you a story from my childhood. Um, regularly uh, after school, my mum would pick me and my brother and sister up from school and uh, she'd take us grocery shopping with her. I'd be in my school uniform and the last thing I wanted to do at the end of a school day was uh, go to the shops and go up and down the supermarket aisles with her. I just wanted to go home and play. But she'd take us to the shops and we kind of, you know, drag our feet going along behind her, doing the grocery shopping. But there was one thing about grocery shopping that I looked forward to. And that was the chance that maybe somewhere down one of those aisles, there was someone doing a taste test <laughs> for a new product. You've seen the taste tests in the supermarket aisles before. And uh, I'd turn down each aisle and hope that maybe someone was down there handing something out for free. Uh, as a kid, I love free stuff. Uh, as an adult, I love free stuff too, and so uh, I, still, I still love to turn down supermarket aisles and find that someone handing out a little sample of uh, some new product to try. Now, why do, they, why do they have these taste tests in supermarkets? Uh, is it because these companies, they're just really generous and they just love to give their merchandise away for free? Um, hardly. The whole point of a taste test is that you're meant to try a little bit of it and go, oh, I really like that. I want the whole thing. I want more. That's what the taste tests are designed to do. It's similar with um, companies like Netflix or Spotify. They give you a one-month free trial. What's the point of that? Do they just love giving you a free month just for the sake of it? No. They want you to try it for a month, love it so much that you've got to sign up at the end of it. Well, in many ways, that illustrates my main point this morning. And that is that the Bible teaches that the lives of God's people are like taste tests. How we live, how we act is like a little taste, a little sample of what he's like, what his kingdom is like. And the world's meant to get a taste of the kingdom from how we live and say, oh, I like that. I want more of that. Tell me about more of that. Uh, Lewis tells me, you're thinking about the kingdom of God here uh, at church and uh, in some ways thinking about how the kingdom of God aligns, uh, our lives should align with, with that kingdom. And so what I want to do with this now this morning for a few moments is think particularly about our work lives and how our work lives might align with the kingdom of God and so give people that we encounter in our daily work a, a little taste of what God's kingdom is like, such that they'll taste it and say, I want more of that. I really want more of that. 
But just to, just to clarify as I begin, when I use the word work, I, I don't just mean jobs that we might get paid to do. That's how, often how the, the world talks about work. But the Bible's view of work is much bigger than that. For the Bible, the work includes all those activities that we might do that we don't get paid for as well, like parenting, all the work you might do around the home. Uh, working around the home can keep you pretty busy. Uh, the work of students, studying, voluntary work that you might do. In the Bible's view, work includes all of those things. So when I use the word work this morning, don't just think of that narrow view of work, of just the things that, God, that I get paid to do or other people get paid to do. Think about the, that big view of work when we kind of pour our energy out towards trying to do something or accomplish something. That's what I mean by work. But coming back to the, my main point, and thinking about how our lives align with the kingdom of God and particularly our work lives align with the kingdom of God and give people a taste of that kingdom. Three points I've got this morning. Here they are. Firstly, going to say why our lives can give people a taste of the kingdom. Secondly, how our lives, especially our work lives, can give people a taste of the kingdom. And the third and final thing is the goal the goal of all this. What's the point of all this? So why, how, and goal? That's my three points. That's where I'm going this morning. So first of all, why? Why is it that our lives can give people a taste of God's kingdom? And the simple answer to that is, of course, Jesus says so. Jesus teaches that. Let me, let me show you where he teaches that, though. Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, the Sermon on the Mount. This is what Jesus says. Let your light shine before people so that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. You see what Jesus says about his followers there? You see what the word he uses to describe them? Light. See, he says, he doesn't say try and be light if you want to be one of my followers. No, no, no. If you're a follower of mine, then you are light. That's your status. That's who you are. You don't try and be that. You are that. But the next few words say what we're meant to do as people who are light. And that is, let the light shine. Lights are for shining, not for hiding. And so Jesus says, this is who you are. Put it on display. Shine. And how do we shine? Well, here at least, Jesus says, that way that you shine is by your good works, your good deeds, those actions that you do in love for others and good towards others it's as you do good towards others that your light shines and you see what jesus says there people will see it people will see that good that you do towards others and who gets the glory god gets the glory it's because as we do good towards others our light shines and people get a taste of what the kingdom is like. They say, Let's, let me know more about that. And God gets the glory. Our lives are little taste tests of the kingdom. The Apostle Peter says the same thing. 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 11 and 12. These are some favorite verses of mine in terms of thinking about how I should live as one of Jesus' followers. Peter says, Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from fleshly desires which war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans 
Though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good works and might glorify God on the day of Jesus. Now, Peter's almost certainly ripping off Jesus' words from Matthew 5 here, right? They're very, very, very similar. And, and Jesus, uh, uh, Peter's point here is the same as Jesus' point in Matthew 5. You're meant to live among the pagans, Jesus says, Peter says. Christians are not a, meant to be a holy huddle, but scattered. Light that is scattered out in the world among the pagans. For what end? To what purpose? To do good amongst them. And as you do good, Peter says, some won't like it. But others will see it and say, wow, I like the taste of that. I like the taste of that. I want to know more about this kingdom that you're a part of, if that's what it looks like, because it looks good. And God is glorified. That's Jesus' point. That's Peter's point. Our, our neighbors, our friends, our family, and our colleagues are watching our lives. You know, this really struck me uh, very clearly uh, about 15 years ago, maybe longer, uh, one of my first full-time paid jobs. And uh, I was leaving that job, and it was the last day. They're having a little farewell lunch for me. And uh, my boss, she got up and, uh, and said a little farewell speech and said a few really kind things about how I'd worked. And uh, I was sitting there thinking, wow, I didn't realize you'd noticed that. I mean, I knew I'd done those things. Um, but I didn't think anyone else had spotted it, but she had. And she hadn't said anything the entire time I'd worked there. I mean, nobody had said anything about noticing those things until I left. And they said, yeah, we saw these things. I mean, they probably saw selfish things too, which they didn't tell me about, which I was glad for. But at least in this moment, they'd seen things that were different and, diff and attractive I'd seen it. I remember walking out to the car that day. It's still clear like it was yesterday. Walking out to my uh, little 1987 red Ford laser, as I had then, and, uh, and hopping in the car and thinking, wow, my colleagues see my good works. They also see my selfish behavior too. My, my witness must include my words to them, but my witness is bigger than that. My life is a witness too, and it really was a watershed moment for me in thinking about my witness, particularly uh, in the workplace to my colleagues. So Jesus teaches, and Peter after him teaches, that our lives act as taste tests of the kingdom. That's, that's why, I may, I, why I say this. Our lives are a little taste test of the kingdom. But let's get a little bit more practical now. How? How? Particularly in relation to our work, how can our lives be a little taste test, give people a sample of what the kingdom's like. And there's lots of ways, there's lots of answers to that question, but I'm going to pick just one, and it's one word, and that is love. The Bible teaches that as we are people of love, that's perhaps the number one thing that can give people a taste of what God's kingdom is like, because his kingdom is a kingdom of love. When Jesus is asked in Matthew 22, sum it up for us, Jesus, how should we live? What does he say? He says, love God and love your neighbor. Jesus says, I'll sum it all up with one word, love. That's what my followers are to be characterized by. Paul, the Apostle Paul says the same thing in Romans 13, verses 8 and 10. He lists a number of different characteristics of the Christian life. But he says, underneath all of those things, there's one thing, love. 
That motivates every other way of living. And also, uh, uh, the Apostle Paul in uh, 1 Corinthians 13, I love these words, that passage on love. And what does he say about love there? He says, love never ends. There are all sorts of things in this world that are going to pass away. But one thing that will always remain, that will never end, is love. Love is a defining feature of God's kingdom now and forever. You look at the picture in Revelation. I love that picture in Revelation, those early few chapters, chapters 4 and 5. And and it's a picture of people from every tribe and nation and tongue gathered together around the the throne in, in loving unity. And what are they doing? They're worshiping, lovingly worshiping the Lamb who was slain. Love is at the heart of the Christian faith, isn't it? The God, the Lamb who was slain out of love, giving himself for us on the cross. We've just celebrated it. We've just remembered it now in communion, haven't we? That greatest act of love in history is at the center of the Christian faith. And as a result, it's at the center of the kingdom of God. And it's the hallmark, the defining feature, if you like, of God's kingdom and what it looks like. And so as we are people of love, as we let that love that has been that we have experienced from God flow out of us and through us into the world, that perhaps people get the clearest glimpse, the best taste of what the kingdom is like as they taste love from us towards them. And so in terms of our work, there are so many different ways that love can come through in our work. In the workplace itself, as we're characterized by people of love, it might look like we see burdens that other people have and think, how can I lift those burdens off them? I mean, Jesus is a great burden lifter, isn't he? And so our love can be, be tasted and seen as where a person who goes in there and says, how do I serve? How do, what are burdens that I see you carrying that I can, I can try and share the load with you, carry it with you, and we can love in that way. You might be in a position of some sort of influence or leadership in your work. And you can think, how do I use the influence that I have, not for myself and for my own advantage, but for the good of others, those I lead, those I have influence over. And in that way, you, you give people a taste of, of love. And of course, as we speak, our words are words of love. That we use words with the people we we interact with in our work, colleagues or customers or clients, or if our work is around the home, children. Our words are words of love that, that build people up rather than tear people down. And of course, words of love that speak of the life, the life that we have in Jesus. In so many different ways, we can be characterized by love in our workplaces. But we can also think about the things that our work produces and the things that we might receive for our work and think, how do I be characterized by love with that as well too? For a lot of us, our work uh, is paid. Many of us are paid for our work. And so we should think about that through the lens of love. 
the fruit of my work, the things that my work produces, the things that I get for my work. How do I use that as love for others? Uh, this afternoon, I'll, uh, I'll be on a plane, God willing, that's the plan. Lewis gets me to the airport on time. Um, I'll be on a plane to, to Melbourne, and uh, on the plane, there'll be air stewards, and uh, what's their job? Their job's to come down the aisle and give you the little bottle of Coke and uh, a little sandwich. Um, they're stewards. Their job is to give that stuff out. That's what a steward does. Uh, it's, it's not their property in one sense. Uh, it doesn't belong to them. They're just stewards of it. And, and that is how the Bible teaches where to think about the fruit of our work, the money that we might make through our work. Psalm 29, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So everything that you and I have got, we're just stewards of. It's not ours. And our job is to, to give it out like the air stewards on the plane will hopefully give me my can of Coke this afternoon. And, we, and so that's the attitude that we bring to what our work produces, the money we might receive from our work. Through the eyes of love, how can I steward this for others, for their good? And so that's why I love a pay rise. I love a pay rise because if you've got a, a lens of love when it comes to the things your work produces and provides for you, then it's more opportunities to love people with what your work has produced. So, so many ways we can love in our work and we can love, uh, we can love with the things that our, that our work produces. But I just want you to think about one other way as well, and that is the very work itself that you do. Um, hands up if you know who made the chairs that you're all sitting on. Anyone know the person? No one. You're all sitting on chairs and nobody knows the person who made these chairs, but someone made them. And they're comfy, right? Yeah. I thought they were comfy and they looked pretty well made. I'm, I wasn't worried about sitting down on it and it falling apart and not holding me up. In God's view, someone has loved you by doing good work, making a comfy chair that will support you. And not just the person who made the chair, I mean, they used a whole lot of materials that plenty of other people put together or provided for them so that then they could make the chair. And how did the chairs get here? Well, I guess it was a big truck that brought them and delivered them here. And someone made the truck and someone drove the truck and, and someone produced the fuel so the truck could run. And how did the truck get here? Well, it came on roads and so someone built those roads, didn't they? And someone maintains those roads. You get my point, don't you? There is so much work that goes on for you to just sit on a chair here this morning. And in God's view, all of that work is an act of love. Even if those people who did those things didn't necessarily do it for the good of others. They might not, might not have. There might have been self-serving ends that they had for all of that work. But the, but the fact is, you're benefiting from their work. You've been loved by their work, and it's the same for your work, whatever it is. Your work loves people in and of itself, the very work itself that you do. Whether you bake a cake put, and put food in someone's stomach and love them in that way, uh, whether you produce spreadsheets as an accountant and help people uh, understand better how they can use their finances more wisely for the good of others. I mean, you love people doing that. If you're a teacher and you've got all of this information and you figure out a way of explaining it so that it's clear and people can know what you mean, then you, you're loving people by doing that. 
helping them understand things simply. Musician who puts sound together and produces beautiful music and brings joy and pleasure into people's life, loves them through the work of music. You see how all of our true work, good work, can, can love people. And so my encouragement for you to do is, is to think about what kind of work fills my days, whether it's paid or unpaid. I think, who benefits from my work? I might never know them. <laughs> the people who made this chair don't know you, but you're benefiting from their work. But who, who benefits from my work? Who, who receives love through my work? How does my work love? Ask these questions and then think, how can I do it all the more? How can I do that all the more so that my work itself tastes of love? Not just me in my work and how the way I relate to people and interact with people, but even the very work itself that I do is an act of love towards people, thinking about it in that way. And so in God's economy, in God's vision of things, all Christians are in caring professions. Not just the doctor who might deliver a diagnosis. Yeah, we know they're in a caring profession, but, but the accountant who might deliver a report to a client or the postie who might deliver a letter to someone's home. In God's view, all of us are in caring professions, caring for other people. And so that means we're going to want to do our work well with excellence because cutting corners doesn't love people, does it? One writer puts it like this, excellence in work is actually a form of love. On the flip side, shoddy work is not just shoddy work, it's a failure of love. You know, and no one's loved when you cut corners or you leave a task unfinished. No, they're loved when you do it with the best of the ability and this, all the strength that, uh, that God has given you. You know, a, a couple of years ago, it was a Sunday afternoon and we were sitting in my lounge room and my eldest daughter, Jemima, was playing with some Lego and uh, I had my laptop open and I was just trying to do a few work emails and uh, she looked up at me and she sort of said with a bit of an accusation in her voice, are you working, Daddy? And I uh, quickly shut the laptop and put it away and said, no, 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 I'm here to play, you know. Um, but then we got talking about work, uh, as, as you do, and... Uh, I made the comment to her that she's a worker. And she said, I'm not a worker, Daddy, I'm a child. Um, and I, see, in her mind, work was the kind of thing that just I did because I went out somewhere and got paid for it. So she had that idea about work. I said, no, 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 no. You're a worker. What do you think you're doing when you're helping us unpack the groceries? Uh, what do you think you're doing when you help us clean up the room at the end of the day? Uh, what do you think you're doing when you clear your plates off the table at the end of the dinner? And she thought for a moment, she said, well, that's not work. That's just helping people. And she's absolutely right. That's not work that you go to tomorrow or do around your home tomorrow. In God's eyes, that's helping people. That's loving people. And so as you love people with your work, you give them a taste. You give them a little glimpse of what God's kingdom is all about, which is love. There's, a, there's an architect by the name of Patrick Lynch, and uh, he, um, he writes about growing up with a dad who was a builder. 
And uh, he just recognises that his dad worked differently. There was something different about him. And he realises as he gets older, actually, my dad was doing his building, ultimately not for himself, but for other people. And he just, he can realise that about his dad's work as he, as he grows up and reflects on his childhood. And he, and he writes this, he says, in a rather obvious way, looking back, my brother and I fulfilled, fulfilled an unspoken ambition on behalf of our family and we became architects. But here's the key line, he says, I guess bricks smelt of love to us. Bricks don't smell of love. But in the hands of someone who's a lover of others and a lover of God, then bricks take on a smell, a smell of love. And that's our work. In our ha- work in our hands starts to smell of love to others. How does your work smell of love? How can your work smell? of love to people this week. That's the, uh, the why, the how, finally and very briefly, the goal. The goal of all this, and I've, I've sort of said it already, but let me make it really clear. Mission, witness is the goal of all this, isn't it? It's as we smell of love, want to mix the metaphors, a little taste test of the kingdom, It's as we smell of love, taste of love, as people see love in our lives. It's not so that they think we're fantastic people, is it? No. The goal is God being glorified. People going, wow, there's something different about you. There's something different about the kingdom that you're a part of. I want to know more about that. We align our lives with the values of God's kingdom, in particular this value of love. And it has a a missional effect, a witness-bearing effect of giving people a taste, a smell of what the kingdom of God is like. So how you work matters for mission. It matters for mission. You know, uh, a few years ago now, uh, there was a survey done, uh, an Australian survey in 2017 by McCrindle Research. And... uh, They asked a number of questions, but one of the conclusions of the survey was this. The greatest attraction to investigating spirituality and religion in Australia today is seeing people live out a genuine faith. Seeing people live out a genuine faith is the number one thing in Australia that's going to draw people to consider the Christian message, to consider Jesus as they see a little taste of what the kingdom is like, as they smell love in our lives. So friends, as you scatter this week, your lights scattering in this world, and as you scatter, there, whether it's to a, an office, or whether it's to a warehouse, or whether it's to a field, whether it's in a home, whether it's uh, at a school gate, you're going to scatter to so many different places this week and your light scattering, Jesus says. Light that smells like love. And it's as we smell like love 
We give people a little taste of this kingdom and attract them to want to know more of this great God that we have, this God of love that we have, who has shown his love to us most powerfully in the cross. I just wonder if you want to pause for a moment on your own and reflect on this idea of smelling like love. What could that look like in your life this week? Maybe the Holy Spirit has been, He's been prompting you. You know what? I've never really thought about my work as an act of love. But, but he's giving me eyes now to, to see how I could work in a way that'll bring love to people's lives. Why don't you just take a moment to think about how might I smell of love this week? Maybe it'll be doing something that you've been putting off doing felt like a hard thing to do, but as you think about it now, you think, actually, it is a hard thing, but it'll smell like love to the person on the receiving end. Maybe you're thinking about Friday afternoon in the office, and actually, what I did then didn't really smell like love at all. And you just want to confess that to God now. Maybe smelling like love this week might mean saying sorry to someone. Uh, someone in the office who you've wronged and uh, they haven't reached out to you, but you haven't reached out to them either. And Smelling like love this week for you might mean going up to them and saying, I'm sorry. And as you do so, you give them a little smell, a little taste of the kingdom. What's it for you? Take a moment to just think now. Commit that to the Lord in prayer. Lord Jesus, you say that we are light. It's not something you're calling us to try and be. We are that. We are that. By your Spirit, we are light. But we ask for your Spirit's power to enable us to let who we are shine this week. Wherever it is that you scatter us, among the pagans, as Peter says, may that light shine so brightly. May we smell of love. May we stink of love. That When we walk into a room, uh, people can't help but smell love. And we want that not for our glory. Not so people think that we're great. No, we, don't, we don't want it for that reason at all, Lord. We want it for your glory. We want it for your fame. We want it for your reputation. We want it because we want your name, Jesus, to be known throughout this world. Because your kingdom is such a brilliant, wonderful kingdom to be a part of. And we want more and more people to be a part of that kingdom, that kingdom of love. So we pray all this 
for your glory, for your fame, for your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Parramatta Christian Church podcast. To hear other sermons or to find out more about our church, please visit our website at pcc.org.au.